0: And welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio, big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. I'm your aptly named host of your favorite hebdominal podcast. My goodness, last week's show was great fun. <laughs> They're all fun, but the last week's 600th show was great fun. Oh, I'm glad you're with me for this week's fun show. I'd be thrown into anechoic if you clawed me with the idea that you missed this week's show, Cybersecurity 101. Our 22 NTC coverage picks back up with a summary of the tech threat landscape, key policies and procedures to have in place, and how to make the case for devoting resources to IT protection. Our guests are Matt Eshelman and Sarah Wolfe. Both from community IT innovators. On Tony's Take Two, my voice just cracked like I'm 14 years old. Please start your planned giving with wills. We're sponsored by Turn Two Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And by Fourth Dimension Technologies, IT Infra in a Box, the affordable tech solution for nonprofits, Tony.ma slash 4D, just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. Here is Cybersecurity 101. Welcome to Tony Martinetti Nonprofit Radio Coverage of 22 NTC, the 2022 Nonprofit Technology Conference hosted by N10. Our coverage brings me now Matt Eshelman, Chief Technology Officer at Community IT Innovators, and Sarah Wolf, Sales Manager, also at Community IT Innovators. Matt, Sarah, welcome to Nonprofit Radio.
1: Hey, thanks, Tony. It's good to be here.
2: Thank you so much for having us.
0: Glad to have you. Pleasure to have both of you. Um, your session topic is Defending Against Bogarts and Boogeymen. Understanding and pitching cybersecurity for the accidental techie. Sarah, why don't you get us started? Let's define accidental techie. I think we have a lot of uh, them listening, but they may not know it.
2: Yeah. So, accidental techies are the people at an organization that are not necessarily somebody who's been trained in IT but is relatively tech savvy and so they end up being the ones who help their coworkers with tech issues or are the ones that end up wearing the IT support hat even though they might necessarily have they haven't necessarily gone through professional training for it.
0: Okay, right. So they know enough that they know more than others but they're not they're not professionally trained in in technology. Okay. And and uh, Matt, why are why are uh, bogarts and boogeymen? Uh, your your description says uh, an accidental techie's biggest nightmare. What, what, what's lurking there?
1: Well, I think uh, yeah, the term bogart is, is from Harry Potter. Oh, bogart, was... see, I don't even
0: know. I, see, see, how, I'm not even an accidental techie. Okay, Boggart, There's the first problem. You, you're suffering a lackluster host, obviously. Okay. Boggarts and Boogie. Yes. So, Boggarts are right. obviously kind of not take... a Harry Potter reader. All right. Or watcher. No. All so,
1: right. they, I think the Boggart takes the form of kind of your, your biggest fear. And so, uh, yeah, whenever it appears, it, it shows up as, as what you're most afraid of. Um, you know, and I think for for folks that are supporting nonprofit organizations, yeah, there is this fear of, of kind of what could be lurking out there, what kind of threats could impact your organization. Uh, and for many folks, especially the accidental techies, they don't have that background training and experience in terms of how to protect their organization. And so that's why we wanted to to have that session to help provide some tools and equipment so that people that, you know, have that responsibility, but maybe not the training can pick up a few, a few tips.
0: Okay. Uh, why don't you, uh, why don't you start us off? What would, uh, what would you like folks to know about that they don't know well enough, but they ought to?
1: I mean, I think the the biggest thing for for folks to understand is just I think the importance of what's called multi factor authentication. So MFA, it's often referred to. Uh, it's something that you know, which is your password, and then something that you have. And for most folks, that would be an app on their smartphone. Um, and what this gives is an extra layer of protection. You know, we all know people's passwords get compromised and and kind of stolen all the time. But if you can add that extra layer of you know an app. Uh, on your phone to protect that login, then you're much, much less likely to have your account compromised. Uh, and kind of what we see is that most compromises then, you know, will then lead to other things that, you know, have significant damage in terms of, you know, emailing, you know, all of the contacts in your organization's database, uh, sending out malicious links, you know, sending out updated payment information. So that can kind of lead to a lot of other bad things. And so if we can protect that account with MFA, then the organization becomes a lot more secure.
0: Okay, and you'd like to see this uh, mandatory, not
1: uh, opt-in. That is exactly right. You know, Microsoft and the other big um, you know, tech providers are starting to enforce that now as a as a requirement. But if you've been in Office 365 or if you've been in Google Apps for a long time, uh it's not required uh and it's something that organizations need to take a couple of steps in order to set it up, enroll all their staff, provide training, uh just to make sure that uh it's set up and working correctly. Okay.
0: So we should be doing it. We should be opting in where it's optional and we should make make it mandatory if we're the uh if we're wearing the hat of the uh the accidental techie.
1: Yep, exactly right.
0: All right. All right. Sarah what else? What else can you uh, share for our, our these folks?
2: I think that the next biggest thing uh, is you know making sure that your staff you know are actually aware of the different security risks and things like that. Having a uh, security awareness training program is one of the best ways to make sure that even if something, you can have all of the fancy tools in the world, every single like filter and everything, something's going to slip through. And if you have staff that know what to look for and know not to click on something or not to go on that website or not to, you know, enter their information in various different places, them having the knowledge is going to be one of the biggest returns on investment in terms of security. Antivirus, Uh, we only, we had so few um, issues with antivirus last year. Out of the 696 security incidents that we were dealing with, only seven of them were viruses and only 45 of them were malware. And so it's much more important for staff to be able to identify what's a spam email, what's spear phishing, how can i tell if i'm looking at an email from somebody else whose account has been compromised and having the training to make them aware of that is definitely worth the investment and there are great tools out there like no before that you know are really easy to use
0: okay and so uh no first of all it was no before like k n o w k n o w before. before okay yeah all right, i didn't know boggers but i figured out no before all right but that's not uh... That's not really saying much, uh, but in any case, um, so is that a security training, like an on, is that online security training that folks can get it and know before or like, how is this accidental techie going to push this and, and offer the training in their, in their nonprofit?
2: That's great. Yeah, so uh, that's a learning management software and that's specifically for cybersecurity um, behaviors and tools the way that you're going to pitch this for your organization is to first gather your data, get your plan of attack. And a lot of times, you know, that involves one looking for friends in the company to support you Mm -hmm. two getting data and, you know, trying to make sure that if you are able to, um, like find partners either within the organization or maybe even reach out to your board governance committee. Um, those people are going to be able to you know, help leverage some of the existing requirements that you have. If an organization needs to apply for cyber liability insurance, a lot of times multi-factor authentication is going to be one of the requirements. A staff security training is going to be one of the requirements. And so being able to leverage those and then putting it, putting your plea into terms that people understand. If your ED is looking at, you know, what is the comparing the cost of a, of a security education software versus, you know, financial compromise, like there is a definite argument to be made there.
0: It's time for a break. Turn to communications, media relations and thought leadership. Peter Panapento, a Turn 2 partner, was on last week. He's a former journalist at the Chronicle of Philanthropy. His partner, Scott, is also a former journalist. So they know what to do and what not to do to build relationships with journalists. Those relationships are going to get you heard. Turn 2 Communications, your story is their mission turn hyphen 2.co now back to cybersecurity 101 you you mentioned uh, cyber liability insurance is that is that something else we should be flagging for these for these poor accidental techies these, be- these beleaguered uh, beleaguered accidental techies
1: Yeah. I think we're seeing more and more organizations go through a cyber liability insurance kind of renewal process. Typically, that's something that's handled by the, you know, the finance department of the organization. What we're seeing is that you know, for cyber liability insurance or even for financial audits, they're becoming a lot more technical, and so uh, it's likely that you know if you've got any any tech aptitude at all, then you're being enlisted to help fill out these applications to provide the detailed information that's being requested. And so, yeah, we're seeing a lot more sophistication being you know kind of demanded by these insurance companies in terms of you know understanding which controls are in place because uh, we're seeing even cases where if you have not turned on multi-factor authentication for all your systems, you won't even be eligible for coverage. Uh, And so Mm -hmm. it's pretty dramatic that, you know, organizations are are now being, you know, it's a good idea to protect your organization, you know, for these cybersecurity controls, but there's this also this extra layer of, you know, requirement from, you know, insurance carriers now to say, Hey, like you have to have this or we're not going to provide you insurance.
0: Okay. Okay. Sarah, let's go back to you. Uh, I'd I, I asked you about cyber liability insurance and then uh, Matt usurped uh, unceremoniously uh, <laughs> get, no. usurped your, uh, your, your, your platform. So let's go back to you. What else, uh, what else can you contribute for these, for these folks?
2: Yeah, so with, with cyber liability insurance, it's something that oftentimes is getting, you know, much more of a top-down decision-making process somebody will have you know these things like the ransomware and and wire fraud and issues like that have been be have bubbled up more in turn in like the public awareness and so there's a lot of top-down pressure for these things to get adopted
1: mm-hmm. and
2: you know they're one of the things that they're also going to ask for is you know what are your plans do you have an acceptable use policy for your IT, do you have a plan for when something does go wrong? you know what do people know what to do, who to reach out to, what steps to take? you know because you know you you hope for the best but plan for the worst. and there are a lot of really good resources out there for developing these sorts of ex- acceptable use policies for for creating incident response plans. And, you know, you can um, really it can get overwhelming sometimes with the number of, you know, different resources that are available and what to use and what not to use. So, you know, partnering with somebody who does know, you know, a little bit more about cybersecurity or is providing that knowledge to the community, um, let me guess
0: that uh, that that's the work of community IT innovators. Am I yes,
2: this going be- out
0: on a limb, taking a taking a, sh- <laughs> a stab in the dark? Yes. Okay. Well, we'll give. I'll give you a chance for the <laughs> for the shout out. All right. For, uh, explanation. But uh, I'm going to ask you first. What are what are some resources for folks? I mean, I'm you got me feeling bad now for these people because th- we're, we're 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 like we're enhancing their to do list, but this isn't even their job that they're paid for. But yet yeah, we're yeah. talking about looking into insurance and having policies and. Uh, now now i'm now they are now I'm realizing they are beleaguered because it's not even their job they're just yeah. it got foisted on them because they know more than than all the baby boomers in the office
2: but, sometimes it oh, is okay. baby boomers who are accidental techies well we all right probably not
0: too me. often uh thank you for but, that but <laughs> probably not not too often uh all right but so what are some resources that folks can can rely on you said there's there are many
2: where yes. can we look so for... uh i'm going to start with the the uh the self-interest pitch first. Uh, community IT has a great um, library of publicly available resources on our website and our YouTube channel um, that are really great for digging into these kinds of things. Um, a great what's place the, What's to start, the website for? Community oh, the IT? website is uh, communityit.com, um, and the. One of the other places that I know that Matt, ha- as our cybersecurity expert, has a lot of people start is with the Cybersecurity Framework by NIST. The, um, and that website, ooh, I have a link to it. It's um, nist.gov slash framework. Okay. Um,
0: NIST.gov slash cybersecurity framework. So NIST, obviously, is a government agency, National yes. Institute of something.
2: Standards and Technology.
0: Standards and Technology. Thank you. Sarah. Okay. Um, um, all right. So there's a couple of resources, um, including community IT innovators. Anything else you, you'd like to share with, that folks can rely
1: on? I'd, I'd say that there's no shortage of resources out there. TechSoup is also a great resource, so in addition to the donations that I think we're all familiar with, TechSoup also has a courses uh, and training, and so they have some free resources that I would encourage folks to check out there um so i think yeah there's there's no shortage of resources uh that are out there to help people learn. I think you know the okay. big the big challenge is, is really putting it into action.
0: What about a little uh I don't, can we give some uh, psychological support to these beleaguered folks. Now I'm telling you, you have me feeling very badly for them. Um, what we'll get back to the to the and boogeymen, I promise. But but uh, let's let's take a little digression to how we can support these folks other than recommending things for them to be aware of. Just like how can how can we support them otherwise?
2: So I think that you know, I'm, I'm trying not to turn this into a pitch for joint, for having an MSP come in and like, do, you know, own this stuff for you because what, what's an MSP? Um, MSP is a managed service provider. It's okay, what we, we do have, is. Thank you. you know, oh, where that's where you are. Okay. ID we have, we have and jargon I'm, jail
0: on, uh, on nonprofit radio. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, 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 I saved you from, from any, any lengthy sentence. Okay. A managed service provider. Okay.
2: um, So that but, is, that is one of the ways, you know, that, You can get support. The other thing Mm -hmm. is, you know, really leaning on the rest of the community. TechSoup is a great place to look for resources. And, you know, the N10 community is a place to ask questions. Um, There are also, you know, on LinkedIn and Facebook and places like that, there are communities that you can reach out to for wanting to vent, looking for ideas, (laughs) looking for recommendations. Those are all um, possibilities. I uh, definitely enjoy seeing how many, you know, how uh, ready people are um, when people post on the N10 forums, like I need help with this. And like, there are definitely people jumping on.
0: It's an enormously supportive community. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, 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 I fear that even though, I say it a lot because Amy Sample Ward is on the show very often. She's our technology contributor. Um, And so she's often saying it too, that N10 is not only for technologists, but I I still think a lot of people have that misconception. Um, It can be for folks who are not even, you know, not even responsible for technology in their office, but they're just using it. You know, you're just using it in your nonprofit. And in 2022, like who is not using technology? Uh, I don't think we're running everything by index cards Even if you're on an Excel spreadsheet, you're still using technology. So,
2: no more punch cards and DOS.
0: (laughs) Yeah, punch cards and DOS. Yeah, well that yeah and line printers. Now you're talking about when I went to college. So be careful, Sarah. It's time for a break. Fourth Dimension Technologies. You heard the 4D CEO Juggin last week talk about IT as a service for nonprofits. They know they're in a service business. Their IT infra in a box. The IT buffet, if you will, is structured around service. Take what you need and what fits your budget. Leave the rest behind. They know their work is to serve your IT needs. Comes from the CEO directly. Fourth dimension technologies, Tony.ma slash 4D, just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. It's time for Tony's take two. This is my Silver Jubilee in Planned Giving, and August is National Make-A-Will Month next month. So, let's start talking about your Planned Giving Program launch with wills. Wills. Why should you start your Planned Giving Program with wills? This week, three easy reasons. First, they are the most popular planned gift by far. Expect 75 to 90% of your planned gifts forever to be the most simple planned gift, the gift by will. So it just makes sense to start with what's going to be at least three quarters of your gifts anyway. Behind door number two, there's no donor education. Everybody knows what a will is. Everybody knows they need a will, and everybody knows how wills work. You don't have to spend time and money educating donors, explaining to them the concepts of life insurance as a planned gift, or charitable gift annuities, or remainder trusts. You're sticking with the basics, something that everybody understands. And behind door number three, there's no staff education. Everything I just said applies to your staff too. Everybody knows what wills are, everybody knows how they work, and everybody knows that they need one. So you don't have to train your staff on life insurance and gift annuities and charitable remainder trusts. Completely unnecessary. You're starting with the basics, and you may never, ever decide to go further, and that won't matter. But the place to start is gifts by wills. For those three reasons, three reasons for today in any case. And that is Tony's take two. We've got just about a buttload more time for Cybersecurity 101 with Matt Eshelman and Sarah Wolfe. Matt, what else? Um, let's go back to what, what we can, uh, the, the Boggarts and the Boogeymen that we want to help these folks l- look out for.
1: Um, yeah, I would maybe also just kind of come back in terms of what's good about investing in this training is that it's it's good to see progress. And I think that's one of the benefits as Sarah mentioned, the know before platform. It's great to, you know, spend a little bit of money to invest in a platform because then you can actually see the progress of, you know, how many people are taking and passing these little trainings and then Know before does a little thing called test phishing, and you can actually see the percentage change of how many people in your organization are, are kind of clicking on stuff that they shouldn't. And so, oh, you know, you whenever you test, test yes, you so it's great.
0: Test phishing emails to your enemies in the office. That's right. Re- report them when they click, when they click after the fi- two days after the training and when they click, you can, you can turn them in. And now there's an, an advantage to being an accidental techie. You're no longer beleaguered. You're empowered. Right. Yes. Yeah, send. Send. <laughs> send a. Send a test phishing email to my boss who just turned me down for getting the day after Christmas off.
1: <laughs> so okay. yeah. So it's great. You can. Okay. You know. You can see. You can see progress. And so not all of cybersecurity is kind of like doom and gloom and you know battening down the hatches, you know against the onslaught. I think it can be fun. It can be engaging. You know. Uh. You know. I, th- I think organizations that yeah, do elevate it. And it's something that, you know, people can talk about and talk about openly as opposed to, you know, being, being silenced and kind of feeling bad about themselves if they, if they clicked on one of those messages, right? Like that's not the approach you want to take. You want to take the approach of uh, encouraging that learning. Cause uh, you know, if if you got caught by a suspicious message uh, you know, it's likely somebody else got that too. And so having this kind of culture and of openness and engagement, yeah. Is, is really successful.
0: Right. I, I agree. Yeah. Unless it's your boss who turned you down for the day after Christmas, <laughs> that, then it's, then it's vindictive. That's
1: there that, you go. You can report it to the board. Yeah.
0: Yes. Oh, so without, without a doubt. So, um, all right, well, let's stay with you, Matt. What, what else, um, what else can we make folks aware of?
1: Yeah. I think the, the other thing that we've started to see a, more of would be kind of financial fraud or what, what's kind of called in the, I think the official terminology, wire fraud. So you know, it could be something as simple as those messages people get, you know, that look like they're coming from the executive director saying, Hey, I just need you to buy these gift cards. Call me real quick. I got something for you to do. You know, we've seen people get caught up by that, you know, even to more sophisticated cases where uh, people are getting tricked by well crafted emails that say, Oh, I need to update my payment information or, Hey, we've got a grantee and they had a problem with their bank account and here's the new bank account information. So, uh, you know that kind of falls into an area where it's it's not just a technology control. You know there isn't some product that you can buy that's going to magically make that go away, um, but it's a combination of having training, maybe having some good spam filtering tools in place, but then also having some policy and procedures so that you're talking about that with your finance department, uh, so that you you have good processes in place so it's payments aren't made just by one person making a change, but uh, there's some some review and some vetting. Maybe you need to call somebody. Uh, so I think again, it's it's not just technology solutions, but uh, really that that kind of the people and process comes in into these uh, equations as well.
0: It seems like they're getting more sophisticated, uh, the a little savvier. Like uh, your your account renewed for three hundred and ninety nine dollars. You know, click here to see the invoice. Mm
1: -hmm. You know, I don't know. They just seem—they seem like they're improving. Well, and I think you've identified uh, a key understanding is that uh, this is this is a cyber crime. This is a criminal enterprise, right? This is financially motivated, and the bad guys are doing it. You know, not just to kind of go in and wreak havoc on your network, but they're doing it to make money. Uh, And so, I think that's also helpful for organizations to keep in mind, right? You know you can be the the greatest nonprofit in the world and be you know have the most noble mission no they're not attacking you because of your mission they're attacking you because you have money <laughs> and and yeah. you might get tricked into yeah doing that $399 renewal or maybe you updated a payment information and and that was $25,000 and so uh you know the mission you know does not matter for those uh, you know cyber criminals who are financially motivated and it 's a lot easier to to kind of trick somebody into giving you four hundred dollars than it is to you know write some super sophisticated virus that's going to go onto your computer and encrypt all your files then you're going to have to try to figure out how to pay them in cryptocurrency yeah it's just it's a lot easier to try to trick people into giving you money than than it is to write write a new virus
0: yeah okay, and then of course, there is the community of nonprofits that that are at risk because of their mission and because you know we're living in a polarized time it's, it's no longer just um hot button issues you know like gun rights or or abortion i mm-hmm. mean it seems like a lot of missions could trigger someone to do something malicious you know technology wise
1: mm-hmm. uh yeah i would say so we really see that um, primarily for organizations that are in the space kind of like government think tanks, policy groups, yeah, right. you know, kind of good, good government. Those tend to be the kind of the have, attack, attract the most attention. Um, you know, and then I think organizations that work on, uh, you know, human sexuality and uh, you know, family planning and abortion services like are in that you know category as well.
0: Yeah, for sure. All right. Sarah, let's turn back to you. What, what, what more can you share with us?
2: Well, the, one of the things that, you know, in, in that theme of, you know, it is financial, these, these, this has become a business enterprise and it has become, you know, not necessarily organized crime, but it has become something that is a multi-billion dollar business. And, um, That is something that we've definitely seen. We've seen an increase in the number of incidents that we end up responding to, like from 2018 to 2021, the number of cybersecurity incidences that that community IT was able to track tripled. And so, you know, there isn't a way to really fly under the radar anymore. And you're right these people are getting smarter it's not just all Nigerian princes looking for for oil or gold or whatever it's you know there have been times where you know we've seen examples that have been caught in the tools or that did get through and did nearly create an issue and I sat there and looked at the email chain and I was like I can't tell where this jumped in and then you like have to like really highlight and like look in and look in the details and you go oh Oh, okay. Like there was just like a one letter change in somebody's email address, you know, or, and like that can, you know, if, if you don't have the training and you're not necessarily aware of that stuff. And then the redundancy that, that Matt was talking about, um, making sure that, you know, it isn't just up that, that all of the keys to the castle aren't in one person's hands. Um, so that you can, you know, make sure that there's, you know, uh, additional eyes to see, you know, what you missed or to make sure that that this is the real deal is, you know, really important. Um, you know, it's, it's definitely a frame of mind thing. You don't want to be constantly consumed with worry and, you know, be paranoid about everything. And, because that just takes, we've got a whole lot of other things going on in the world right now that we don't need to be panicking about cybersecurity all the time. And just doing a few relatively low cost things can really help with peace of mind. And, you know, it's worth taking the time, you know, penny wise pound foolish is one of the other sayings that comes around a lot, you know, just to make sure that, you know, you don't end up having to deal with a twenty five thousand dollar wire fraud issue. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know? Sarah, what were some of the questions that you got from the uh, accidental techie folks who were who were watching, who were with you?
2: Yeah, there were some questions on like where do we start? Like, how do I like? Uh, we we pointed people to the NIST. The NIST framework has a chest checklist um, of things that you can start thinking about and looking at as, you know, places to start, there were also, um, questions about, you know, how do I, um, how do I make sure that I can, you know, convince my, my ED about this mm-hmm. and yeah. leadership, this made, uh,
0: buy-in, yeah. leadership
2: buy-in. And, you know, we really, for that, we really said, you know, if, 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 if your leadership isn't necessarily into it, you have to get, like there's no right or way, wrong way to go about things. It can be top-down, it can be bottom-up, but making sure that if it's something where the, your leadership isn't as invested, making sure you gather allies. You gather allies and you gather financially focused um, data to back you up. You know, cybersecurity is getting more frequent, and it is getting more costly to have to address issues after the fact. And so, you know, those were, you know, some of the the really big um, okay. questions and focuses.
0: Well, you and you had mentioned uh, allies early on the the value of having having friends uh, uh, sy- sympathetic to the to the cause, all you know, making this case together to to the CEO. Or wherever it needs to go. Um, all right, uh, Matt, you want to leave us with some? Well, oh, Matt, let me ask you: any questions that you uh, that that Sarah didn't mention that you uh,
1: that that hit you as particularly uh, interesting, uh, important? Um, I think it's important for for folks to to realize that. You know, just because their data is in the cloud doesn't necessarily mean that it's, it's backed up or it's protected in a way that right. they, that they think it is. And so I think, you know, nonprofits have done a really great job of, of getting their data into cloud platforms. You know, there's been a lot of great donation programs and discounts. And so nonprofits, I think, have done a really good job of technology adoption. Um, but what we see is that they haven't been maybe as strict on, Kind of the policy and the governance and some of the other supporting you know processes. So we think it's really important that uh, you understand where your data is and understand how it's protected and just make sure that that lines up with what you you know your organization expects you know is it okay if somebody you know downloads all of your organization data on their personal computer? like is that an okay thing to have happen? let's make, let's make sure that we talk about it and understand that. Uh, you know and I think the the same thing goes again. You know, if somebody deletes a file today, do we need to be able to recover it? You know, a day from now, thirty days from now, a year from now, and so I think just having some of those baseline settings and kind of testing them is a really important step to take.
0: Yeah, backup recovery. You know, those are not necessarily covered by just being in the being in the cloud. And and how what's the time to recover? Mm
1: -hmm. Right. 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 Yeah. So I think a lot of those, you know, quote unquote, old school you know, security methods uh, or techniques are still important, even if you've got your data in the cloud. So again, having that third-party backup, having an offline copy, uh, those are all really important steps to take to make sure that your organization's data is, uh, is well-protected.
0: Okay. All right. Why don't we leave it there then? feel like we covered this?
1: I think we've got the foundational elements okay. in place. Is there, anything,
0: uh, all right, is there anything on your mind? You're just like, oh, wait, I, I got to get this in. Is there anybody?
1: I mean, I'll put in a plug for multi-factor authentication again. I think it's worth saying at least a okay. couple more times because Do your MFA. Uh, it's the, it's the most important step that, uh, that, that many organizations can take. Okay. Sarah parting thought.
2: Just going to emphasize what Matt said about the managed backup just now. Um, you know, it's really important to know your settings and to discuss them because, you know, a lot of times data loss is actually accidental. And so if you have a way to get it back, that can save you a whole lot of heartache <laughs> and headache.
0: Okay. We want to avoid both. Thank you. That's Sarah Wolf, Sales Manager at Community IT Innovators, and also Matt Eshelman, Chief Technology Officer at Community IT innovators. Sarah, Matt, thank you both very much.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Hey, thanks, Tony. It's good to get to talk to you.
0: All right. Pleasure. And thank you for being with Nonprofit Radio Coverage of 22 NTC, the 2022 Nonprofit Technology Conference. Glad you're with us. Next week, tech policies to reduce toxic productivity. If you missed any part of this week's show, I beseech you. Find it at TonyMartinetti.com. This is number 601, by the way. I don't know if you're counting. but We're sponsored by Turn 2 Communications, PR and content for nonprofits. Your story is their mission. Turn-2.co. And by Fourth Dimension Technologies, IT Infra in a Box, the affordable tech solution for nonprofits. Tony.ma 4D. Just like 3D, but they go one dimension deeper. Our creative producer is Claire Meyerhoff. The show's social media is by Susan Chavez. Mark Silverman is our web guy. And this music is by Scott Stein. Thank you for that affirmation, Scotty. Be with me next week for Nonprofit Radio. Big nonprofit ideas for the other 95%. Go out and be great.